Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from Genesis how Abraham was generous to Lot and to the king of Sodom, and how in return God was generous to Abraham, being his shield and reward. This message is available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org and on iTunes. We thank you for your listenership, and we always need your support for this Friendship with God radio program. Donate online at friendshipwithgod.org. Now here's Tom Cantor with today's message. Genesis 15, 1, and we notice that God did not say to Abraham that he would provide him shields to protect him, but God told Abraham that he himself is a shield to Abraham. And as Abraham hears those words and he thinks to himself, God is a shield to me. What does all that mean? That means that God has been a shield to me. God is a shield to me. God will be a shield to me. And all that is compassed in the promise, God's promise, that he's a shield to me. So he's walking away, he's thinking about this, he's trying to process it all in his mind. And all that is encompassed to us, we're with Abraham as he's taking this walk and thinking about it. Because we're believing children of Abraham. And God's a shield to us and we're trying to process it all. And that's the very first reason why Abraham should not fear. Because God is a shield to him. So we've been speaking of the shield so far in the aspect of the protection from harm. But as Abraham sits and he sits down and he's looking at the front of the shield and he's thinking the shield is to me and he realizes another truth that comes out of this. Because he realizes again, making the shield that's in his hand to be as God called him. He's trying to process it all. God says he's a shield to me. And the shield's a pretty good size as it protected him. And Abraham looks at his front and just seeing how big that shield is, Abraham appreciates something. He says to himself, he looks at it and he says, you know what? This shield is pretty big. It's pretty large. In fact, this shield, as I'm looking at the shield to me, and I'm looking from the front of it toward there, and I'm thinking to myself, this shield is so big that, in fact, when I stand behind this shield, you can't see me. All you see is the shield. Because uh, I sort of get lost behind the shield there. And when I hold up the shield, all anyone sees is the shield. No one sees Abraham. They just see the shield. So when I'm behind the shield, all anyone sees is the shield. They don't see Abraham. So Abraham thinks about this a while, and he begins to understand that the shield not only protected Abraham from harm, but the shield kept Abraham from being seen. It sort of hid Abraham. And when Abraham hears Jehovah Jesus here in this passage say that he was a shield to Abraham, Abraham understands that as the shield hid Abraham and covered him, So Jehovah Jesus, as Abraham's shield, hides him as he stands behind him. And only the shield scene, only, God says, I am a shield, only Jehovah Jesus is seen. And this becomes a great comfort to Abraham as he thinks about, and he says, you know, I'm a sinner, and I don't want God to see me in my sin. And the Lord is righteous, and he is my shield, and if he covers me, if he's standing in front of me, then people see his righteousness and not my sin. Because I'm covered by the shield. And as Abraham thinks about this, this great new doctrine begins to be born. He snaps his fingers again. He says, I got it. He says, the Lord is my shield, covers my sin, and his righteousness is my righteousness. His righteousness, the Lord is my shield, means the Lord my righteousness. And that's the new doctrine which is now born, this great new doctrine. Because he's my shield, when I'm looked at, what's going to be seen is his righteousness. And when the Lord said to Abraham, I am a shield to you, that's the birth of this new doctrine, the Lord our righteousness. And so when God said, I am thy shield, we understand that along with Abraham, the two functions of the shield is to protect and to cover. 
protect and to cover. And we'll see the Lord say to him, I am thy shield. We understand that the shield protects. And so the Lord, our shield, redeems us from the sentence of death by his substitutionary death. But when we hear the Lord say, also say when he says, I am thy shield, we also understand that the shield covers as Abraham did. And so the Lord is our righteousness covering us and giving us a title to eternal life by his righteousness. So Abraham, the father of the Jewish people, thinks to himself, when I stand behind the shield, I'm not seen, but only the shield. And when God said to me that he was a shield to me, that means when I stand behind God, that I, in my unrighteousness, is not seen, but only God in his righteousness is seen. So Abraham would say, the Lord is my shield, the Lord my righteousness. The Lord my shield, the Lord my righteousness. And when Abraham came to that realization, the Lord my shield, the Lord my righteousness, everything changes. Everything changes. And that realization, the Lord my shield, the Lord my righteousness, Abraham, as the father of the Jewish people, becomes the leader, the first one of the Jewish people who will have in the future the Jewish people come to that realization. The Lord, my shield, the Lord, my righteousness. The Lord Jesus Christ, my shield. The Lord Jesus Christ, my righteousness. And that's exactly what's predicted, if you like to turn to it, in Jeremiah 33, 14, where it says, 33, 14 through 16, it says, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will perform that good thing which I have promised unto the house of Israel and to the house of Judah. In those days and at that time will I cause the branch of righteousness to grow up unto David, and he shall execute judgment and righteousness in the land. In those days shall Judah be saved, and Jerusalem shall dwell safely. And this is the name wherewith she shall be called, the Lord our Righteousness. So we notice in these words, there's words of anticipation that's coming here in verse 14. The days come, verse 15, in those days and at that time, verse 16, in those days. And they make us feel with God the sense of great anticipation that's coming to the Jewish people. God's excited about what's going to happen in the coming time when Israel is going to believe. God is saying with those words, look, you're living in a time of Israel's unbelief, of the Jewish people's unbelief. Just endure it. Just endure it. Just continue to be faithful to bring the gospel to the lost Jewish people because what's coming is really good, he says. It's a good thing. And it's going to be right around the corner. And so he's building this up. And we say, what is it, Lord? What is it? What's really good that's coming around the corner? What is it that you promised? And notice how God, he describes a really good thing that's coming when he puts emphasis on what he's going to do. He says words like this in verse 16. I will perform that good thing which I have promised the house of Israel. Verse 15. I will cause the branch of righteousness to grow up unto David. And then notice how he describes the results, the results of it. Verse 16. When this happens, Judah shall be saved. In verse 16, they have a new name. And the new name is the Lord our righteousness. That's going to be the time when the Jewish people are going to take the same shield that Abraham took as the Lord, as the shield to Abraham. That'll be the time when the Jewish people will, like Abraham, take their place with Abraham, standing behind the shield of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's going to be the time when they're going to be called the people who have the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ, is their righteousness. And God says to Abraham in verse 15, in chapter 51, Genesis, I am a shield to you, and that's the germ. 
That's the beginning of the coming day when the people of Abraham, the Jewish people, are going to stand along with him and have the Lord Jesus Christ as their righteousness. Now, next we see that God is bringing into view for Abraham this promise of an exceeding great reward. And we can't lose sight of the fact that God made this promise to Abraham after Abraham had given up all the spoils he got in the war. That's the second time that Abraham's been generous. You remember the first time, way back in chapter 13, 9, it seems like a long time ago, <laughs> when uh, he gave very generous to Lot. He says, you take the land. You want the land? You take the land. Take the best land. He passed up the best land to keep peace. And then God stepped in and says, Abraham, don't you worry about it. All this land that you see, it's all going to be yours. So God was very generous to him. too. It was a pro- pattern there. The pattern that when a person helps a fellow man, God helps that person. He's done that here. It reminds me of a particular business trip. I think it was in 1985. And we were visiting. I was visiting customers in Milan, Italy. And Cheryl was with me. And our two boys were with us, David and Joseph. David was about nine. Joseph was about eight. And somehow I had it in my mind that Italy is the place where you get cheated. So I said, nope, I'm not going to get cheated. So when I rented the car from Hertz Rent-A-Car, for some stupid reason, I decided to rent the cheapest car they had so I wouldn't get cheated which happened to be a Fiat 500. Nowadays, you maybe know what a Fiat 500 is, but anyway, it's because it's being sold in the U.S. So that's a very small car. And two front seats are very small, and you can hardly call what's in the back back seats. But yep, that's the car we got. So with all of our luggage, we arrive in Milan Airport. It's about 9 o'clock at night. It's winter time. It's dark. And like very often happens in winter in Milan, it is foggy, very foggy. And so I told the family, don't you worry, (laughs) I said, even though I've never been to the Jolly Hotel in Milano Dewey, I'll get you there. And so I made our way over to the Hertz car rental place, which was a miracle in and of itself. But when I saw this Fiat 500, I wondered if that was really a car or a a cart with a lawnmower engine. (laughs) But I told the family, I said, we're not going to be cheated. So somehow we jammed ourselves into this little car, and our luggage was in the car, and when I looked in the rearview mirror, I remember I just saw a mixture of boys and luggage just piled up all over the place. And we started to drive. And the fog got worse and worse. And you could barely make out the lines in the road. It was just thick white. And we drove around for about an hour in this dense fog. And I wouldn't admit to them that I had no idea where we were or where we were going. <laughs> and they began to complain. <laughs> and now it's about 10 o'clock at night. And all of a sudden, as I'm driving, our headlights, they show up. It was eerie. There was just like this old grandmother, and not the slender type, you know, they don't have those in Italy. And she's standing there, and she looked so desperate in the fog, and she was hailing us down. She was going like this, you know, stop. So I stopped the car. And with hand gestures and enough Italian that sounded like Spanish, we understood that she wanted us to give her a ride to her apartment. (laughs) And so what did I do? I said, okay. (laughs) And the family looked at me like I lost my mind. And so, to this day, I don't know how she fit in the back seat. She was somehow, there were three Lelos. There was the luggage, there was the luggage, and there was the boys, and then she sat on top of the boys. <laughs> I just remember that, you know, when we started, before she came, it was like in the front seat, there was my head and Cheryl's head, and now there were three heads. You know, it was her head, too. And so, she's the whole time, it's, you know, Derece, stop, Sinistra, and all the way along, we get to her apartment. And we dropped her off, and she says, ciao. And the family looks at me in frustration, and Cheryl says, where now, Christopher Columbus? (laughs) And I had no idea. And you know what happened? I looked up, and we were right in front of the Jolly Hotel. I just looked. I couldn't believe it. And I thought to myself, by giving that old lady, uh, she's a nice lady, (laughs) 
a lift in our car that we had no room for her in the car, believe me. But God took us, because of that, right through the fog to our hotel. So next time you see a Fiat 500, you'll think of the benefits of being generous when you have a little to give. So why did I find the hotel that night in the fog? We were so relieved to get to the hotel, and we were starving. And, of course, there was no way I was going to leave the hotel to go look for food. <laughs> that was out of question. So the hotel says, well, look, the restaurant's closed, but we'll open it up for you. And so the only thing we can have is spaghetti. So we go, okay, have spaghetti. So they bring the man's spaghetti, and he comes out with a big platter of spaghetti, and he puts some plates there, and he puts a little bit on the plates. And he starts to walk into the kitchen with a big platter of spaghetti, and we had to restrain the boys that were going to go tackle him. Say, so bring that spaghetti back. <laughs> so, you know, there was more drama of the night. We finally got into our room, and I put my head on the pillow, and I couldn't sleep. And I just lay there, and I thought a lot about what had happened that night. And I rehearsed it all in my mind over and over again. I saw that grandmother again and just eerily appearing out of the fog like some kind of ride in Disneyland, you know. <laughs> and um, I thought about how I just had a second to process what was happening and make that decision, stop or not stop. And I decided to stop, and I thought of how I had so little room, that is, and we barely had enough space for ourselves in a little Fiat 500. And I thought of how easy it would have been to say, lady, we got problems, can't you see? You know, you think you got problems, we got problems. We can't even hardly breathe in this car. You know, my, and, and we don't speak the language, and we're driving a city where we don't know, and it's pea soup. And so, sorry, you're going to have to go fend for yourself. And I thought again about how the family thought that I was over the top when I said, you know, they should get in. And I thought of how God used that lady and that experience because we were generous to bring us to the hotel. I was generous to the lady, and God said, I'll be generous to you, help you find the hotel. And Abraham was generous to Lot, and Abraham was generous to the king of Sodom, and God was generous to him. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for being the God who watches over us and who cares for us, who is a shield to us from our enemies standing in between us, who is, Lord, a shield to us by being our righteousness. We thank you, Lord, for all that you are to us. Embed the truth of who you are in our minds today. Make us different for knowing it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Tom, today you talked about how Abraham realized that God had been his shield and now his reward. Sometimes we go through the motions of life and our relationship with God, but we really don't hear clearly from God. What should we do when we experience a long time where we don't get a fresh word from God? You know, it happens, and we have to be honest about it and to say, oh, of course, every day we like to come and, and open our Bibles and have some verse just come alive for us like we've never seen it before. And we walk away and we say, oh, that was a fresh word from God. I feel so invigorated. I feel so excited because I got a fresh word from God. And people see it in our step and our smile. But that just doesn't happen every day. And sometimes we go through a long stretch when we don't get a fresh word from God. God. And we feel like Noah just sitting in that ark. And the last thing we can remember is that he said, come thou into the ark. And we don't hear anything. And Noah went for days. Uh, so much a long time that, that he went into that, that ark there and he didn't have, there's no record of any word that God spoke to him. And how do you exercise patience during this time? What should you do when you have a long, dry season? What do you do? Well, 
unfortunately, the Word of God tells us what we should do. And it's very, very wonderful that God gives us instructions for what to do during the dry seasons. First, he says in Psalm 5, verse 3, it says, My voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee and will look up. You know what's so amazing about what David says here is that it doesn't say anything about what God's going to do. It just says about what David's going to do. It doesn't say God is going to speak to me and I'm going to get a fresh word. He just says whether God, in other words, he's like he's saying this, whether God speaks to me or he doesn't speak to me, you know what? Every morning there's going to be consistency with me. Every morning there's going, you can rely on it, God, that every morning you're going to hear my voice. I will speak to you, Lord. In the morning, I will take and direct my prayer unto thee, and I will look up. It's so graphic. It's like we have all these other distractions which are around us, and what do we do? We take our attention, we put our hands around our attention, and we direct our prayer unto God. And sometimes we're so cast down, and we're so disheartened that we have to just literally sort of grab a hold of our attention and direct it up to God. And then it says, and we'll look up. And what does he mean when he said it will look up? He will focus his hope and his expectation on God. So this is the first thing that we see. It's what we do. Whether we hear or we don't hear from God, we're saying, God, every morning you're going to hear from me, and I'm going to direct my prayer into you, and I will look up. Now, there's another help for us. It's found in Psalm 42, verse 6, and here we read, Oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore will I remember thee from the land of Jordan and of the Hermonites from the hill Mitzar. So here David is saying to him, I am in a terrible state, God. My soul is cast down within me. And it's as if David turns to us and he says, now you know what you should do when your soul is cast down within me? Follow me. And so David says, therefore will I remember thee from the land of Jordan and so forth where he was. In other words, David says, when your soul is cast down within you, that's the time to exercise your memory. That's the time to go back into the files of your mind and remember God. And so what are we to remember? Well, God tells us further in the Psalm 77, 11, where David says, I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember thy wonders of old. That's the time for us to go back and to get a excited about and to remember what God did. So one of the greatest things that he did, of course, the creation is great. Of course, what we're studying here about Noah and the ark is great. But you know what was really great? The exodus, when God did his great wonders to deliver the Jewish people out of the land of Egypt, every single one of those plagues is a wonder of old. It's a work of the Lord. And so we sit there and we sit, we imagine what it was like. What was it like when Moses lifted up his, his, his rod and the Red Sea split? What was it like to stand there and to just see 
water, impossible water, water, water everywhere I see. I can't get over that water. And all of a sudden, Moses lifts up his rod. And as he does, the great wind comes and the water stands on either side. And when you start getting into this, you forget about your troubles. You forget about the dryness in your soul. And you're right back there with the Israelites as they're ready to cross the Red Sea. And you're excited about it. Why? Because you're remembering the works of the Lord. And you're saying, surely I'll remember thy wonders of old. And so when you get to the other side with the Israelites there, you're, you're like, you could be Miriam. You're picking up the tambourine. You're, you're starting to beat it. And you're starting to talk about the great works of God and how he defeated all those horsemen there of the Egyptians. And she talks about how the Egyptian corpses are washing up on the shore. And she said, look at them. One minute we were afraid to death they were going to kill us. The next minute we're like saying say to ourselves, anybody set up a morgue? I mean, this is a great wonder of God. This is a great work of God that he did. And so you get into that, and it makes you forget about the dryness. It says in Psalm 77.10, and I said, this is my infirmity, but I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. Yeah, we have an infirmity. What's our infirmity? Dullness of spirit. What's our infirmity? Apathy. What's our infirmity? We don't care. We're not interested. And so he says, yeah, this is a plague I have. He says, but what am I going to do about it? I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. And maybe even we'll just be alone and we'll just sing to God of his greatness. Maybe we'll read about the Exodus and we'll say, we'll sing, oh, O oh Lord my God, when I an awesome wonder, and will say, How great thou art. And then it says in Psalm 119, verse 130, The entrance of thy word giveth light, it giveth understanding unto the simple. So we say to ourselves, Well, the word is so dry, I'm not getting anything out of my Bible reading. The word of God is like dust. Well, you know what he said? David says, I've had those times. And so you know what I do? I say to myself that the entrance of the word gives light. So you know what? Whether I feel it or not, the word of God's going to go into me. The entrance of the words is going to come in. And as it comes in, it's going to generate light. Why? Because the word of God incarnate, the Lord Jesus Christ, is the one who says, let there be light. And that's what that says, that God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath commanded to give the light of the glory of God in the face of the Jesus Christ. So what it says is that the entrance, so you know what I'm going to be? I'm going to be the one who like makes it enter. And I know that as the entrance comes in of the word of God, it's going to give me light. It's going to give understanding. And then Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.13, till I come, give attendance to reading. He says, he says, give attendance to reading. He says, just read. You know what we do so often? We like, we don't take time just to just read, just to sit down, open the good book and just read, read chapters and chapters and chapters and chapters. Just read. That's what God told. That's what Moses told Israel in Deuteronomy 17, 19. It's he, and, and he talks about the king. He says, and it shall be with them and he shall read therein all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God, to keep all the words of this law and these statutes 
to do them. In other words, the key is reading. Just read. Just read. He went on, but uh, uh, Moses elaborated on this in verse 18 of Deuteronomy 17. Deuteronomy 17, 18. Moses said, and it shall be, we're talking about the king, and it shall, and think about the king, with all the king, with all of his responsibilities, with everything he's got to do. He's got to manage the country. He's got to manage the wars. He's got to manage all the complaints of the people because the people complained a lot. And with all these things, and Moses had experience in this, by the way, with all these things, he says, you know what your number one priority is, king? Above the wars, above taking care of the country and everything? I'll tell you. In Deuteronomy 17, 18, he says, shall be when he sitteth upon the throne of his kingdom, that he shall write him a copy of this law in a book out of that which is before the priests, the Levites. You know what? You not only read the word of God, king, you sit there, you write it. What's the king do? Couldn't the king ask for somebody else to write it? Yes, he could, but he would have lost the value of get, of just reading and writing. So you know what, king, your first priority? You read, you write the word of God. If it was the first priority for the king of Israel, what should it be in our lives? Also the first priority, read. As he said in Joshua 1.8, this book of the law shall not depart out of of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then thou shalt make thy way. Thou shalt make thy way. You make your way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. As it says in Psalm 1-2, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. These are the principles that God gives us when we go through dry times. Thank you for joining Tom Cantor and the Friendship with God radio program today. Now you can find Tom Cantor, Israel Restoration Ministries, and the Friendship with God radio program on Facebook. And there you'll receive Tom Cantor's daily devotional verse on Facebook. You can also receive it directly to your phone or to your email. And you can sign up for that by going to friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also sign up online right there at the same spot for a free gift to give to a lost Jewish person. That's a free gift to a lost Jewish person. Tom Cantor's life story on DVD and in a booklet form. It's free if you know a lost Jewish person that needs to be reached with the gospel. So go online to friendshipwithgod.org or you can call us at 1-800-247-3051. 1-800-247-3051. You can also receive our January resource. We've got three books from Tom Cantor in one resource book. It's three books, Frequently Asked Questions, Prophecy and Fulfillments of the Lord Jesus Christ, and Tom Cantor's testimony, How a Jew Came to Know and Put His Trust in the Jewish Messiah. All three books into one January compilation resource book. It's yours for a donation of $30 or more. This is a one-time offer, limited supplies. Call us 1-800-247-3051. Or go to friendshipwithgod.org to our online bookstore. Thanks for listening, and join us again tomorrow at the same time.